0: Live from the Bunkhouse Saloon in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Bunkhouse! and it's not new but it's new for us right in 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 a situation where we don't really argue anymore we just kind of talk past each other about issues that are important we get so impassioned by the things that we believe are really important that we no longer listen to each other and because we're no longer listening to each other the emphasis on actually making a persuasive argument is lost We're no longer here to persuade, we're here to shame and and yell at. And that's uh, that's not a great way to move in sort of a society that's supposed to be a democracy of unified thought that we're all supposed to work. I mean, the bottom line is, the ultimate goal for democracy is that yes, you have to live with assholes, whoever the assholes happen to be. And the way you do that is that you persuade. So what you're gonna hear tonight is three arguments Pro and con, back and forth, they're not going to be yelling at each other. They're not going to be talking over each other. It is not about who is the loudest or the most impassioned. It is about the person who puts together the best argument. And that is what Bug House is. It's based on the idea that people in 1911 went to Washington Square Park in Chicago, which was called Bug House Square, which is majority for mental hospitals. They would get on soapboxes and they would debate the issues of the day. This is Bug House. It is also the art of the dialectic in that all six performers did not get to choose their topic nor did they get to choose which side of the topic they are debating. This really makes it a challenge, so you may or may not believe what you're debating, but you have to still make a convincing argument. That's the art of the dialectic. All right, so we have three topics in order. First one is smartphones, amazing tool or downfall of humanity. (laughs) And that will be debated by Dana German, and Jared King. Our second topic, given where we're at in the month, Thanksgiving, celebration of gratitude or dance of genocide. (laughs) It's one or the other. Can't be both. The third topic, and it's very timely, boomers baby boomers, (coughs) destroyers of worlds, or nurturers of opportunity. It is something that I'm always amazed by the fact that pretty much most of the time, in my back pocket, mere inches from my asshole, (laughs) is more computing power by five times than took, took that it took to get us to the moon. I mean, these computers in our pockets are extraordinarily powerful and pervasive. They are amazing. But the question is begged tonight, is the smartphone an amazing tool or is it really the downfall of humanity? Our first debater for this particular topic, ladies and gentlemen, David German, give her a hand. Woo!
1: Woo! 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 You used to call me on my... You used to call me on my... Demon machine. Hey everybody, get him out, let's see him. Yeah, cell phones! Let's see him, hold him up. We've all got him. Ushering in the apocalypse. Yeah, turn on those flashlights. Let's start a rave amortizing the eschaton. Cell phones. Beelzebub's, <laughs> but a FaceTime call away. <laughs> Get them out. Light them up. Wave them. I want to see them. Sing it with me. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I'm beginning to feel not so fine. Like maybe I'm living on planet cancer. So, how it do, folks. Welcome back to the uh, Bunkhouse Saloon. Welcome back to Bug House. How's this millennia going for everybody 20 years in? Everybody, is everybody feeling good? Sure. Everybody feeling good about this one? Okay, we're scrolling through a lot of updates on the Webernets, yeah? Stuff about melting ice caps and, you know, releasing old diseases into the air and maybe the Irishman on Netflix and, you know, the pox on all our houses called Trump. We're, you know, checking some updates. I don't know about you, but my predictive thought-talking pocket computer machine has been reaching out to me lately. You too. Great. Uh via various platforms with alerts about things called high-functioning depression and the woke, the first of which sounds like something I'd probably be hip to, while the latter could be the title of another hit TV drama about zombies. Um, So Mr. Don and I have been chatting lately about how victimhood is like big business and like everyone stands to gain somehow from their own loss this is, kind of, this is kind of a weird term. But when it comes to time, I mean, how do you measure time stolen from you? Or used up somehow? I mean, lawyers know how to do this, of course. But like more importantly, who here has ever felt like their phone is like leeching time and energy from them? And like it's hard to kind of fight back. Like, Like you guys, I'm trying to get beyond intent and do better, maybe with limiting myself but this this smartphone it tells and knows all it knows and tells and this is a hard tractor beam to steer clear of for so many reasons we're all quite familiar with but okay let's get into this let's get back to the tech talk so who knows off the top of your head without looking what lte stands for
2: (coughs) limited lizards (laughs) trap everyone (laughs)
1: <laughs> I like Pearson's take. Um, actually, LTE is sure for long-term evolution. This is part of our existing 4G technology. It's a fancy way of denoting an increase in capacity and speed up to 10 times greater than 3G. Old hat, 3G. Can you hear that? Listen closely, speeds increasing, doubling along with the noise. Listen carefully now. That's the sound of thousands of servers humming away a song, a tune to end all tunes about the decay of a nation, many nations, through rampant technological progress. It is a turgid, gory entropy disguised as forward momentum which consumes us here at the end of our poorly acclimatized innocence. How much of a term is long-term time when it comes to this particularly inclement and jagged socially corrosive evolution? It's somehow more and less fluid than ever. I've always felt in one form or another that cell phones were diminishing or overshadowing our own natural telekinetic abilities. Does anyone anyone else feel this way to you? Like that overarching existential problem still trifles in comparison to the more pressing notion that certain thermal levels of ionizing radiation coming from your amped device are about to wreck a multitude of adverse biological effects on your person. You know what I'm talking about. That's right, you felt it. 5G. It's the new American Y2K-esque malaise. Fortunately now, it only really works out of doors, but hey, we're all about to be infiltrated and rearranged consistently on a cellular level, my friends. Even if you didn't have a personal device, you can't get away from it. Based on the law of technologic exponentials, if 4G is 10 times greater than 3G, can we expect 5G to be 20 or even 30 times faster? When can I expect my freaking telephone to let me teleport? And then when I get unscrambled and re-rezzed and my destination, is all my code with me? Or am I just a copy? The mind boggles. Anyway, uh, pre-market testing on this fifth generation phenomena and how it will affect the public is utterly nil. Article titles from this year that come up in a quick search reveal just how much we're in over our heads with it and speculations abound. From Forbes.com, the science of why 5G is almost certainly safe for humans. We have no reason to believe 5G is safe, reads the title from blog, it's Scientific American. NewYorkTimes.com, the 5G health hazard that isn't. ScienceMag.org touts, forecasters fear threat of 5G wireless rollout. Select cities already have this as an internet option. We're not on the brink, we're in it, people. Allow me to state the obvious a little bit more as I debate this Matt Franco looking dude coming up next. You already have a phone and a case and a plan and a bill and look, now you need an upgrade. You and everyone else will be on this new network because your upgrade has been constructed to accommodate nothing less. That's the biggest problem. You only have the illusion of choice. There's no going back. Even if Vegas doesn't see the new G launch for personal users by 2020, the decision has already been made for you, America. But on an ending note, I think along with, you know, TTFN or AF or LMFAO, we might want to additionally adopt MONI, M-O-N-I, my opinion, not informed, as in, I like connectivity, and so does seemingly everyone else, but does that mean that living with it also means living in perpetual and conspiracy-laden fear of its constant, unrestrained, and rapid growth? Maybe, I don't know, you know, moaning.
0: Bye. Smartphones, the downfall of humanity. Diane, did you get that one? She got it in her hand. What did you say he looked like, Matt Franco? Yeah,
1: I'm a magician.
0: Okay, you look okay. I didn't know either. I was like, all right, cool, Matt Franco. Speaking of Matt Franco, for the counterpoint on smartphones, ladies and gentlemen, Jared Keene, give him a hand.
3: Okay, smartphones for dumb animals. Smartphones are the best things to happen to the worst creatures on earth. And you know what, that's okay, because if you resent your phone, if you feel shackled by a cellular leash, app and slave tracked and monitored by Facebook, you just need to remember three things. Your smartphone has made it easier than ever for you to find the person of your dreams. Your smartphone keeps the information of the world in your pocket, and your smartphone has turned you into the coolest science fiction concept of, well, anytime. A cyborg, a cybernetic organism, a technologically enhanced human being. First, love. John Donne, greatest love poet of the English language, famously wrote, more than kisses, letters mingle souls. Of course, for done to mingle souls with a lovely lass in the early 17th century required many things. Goose feather, quill pen, iron gall ink, specially treated paper, seal matrix made of silver lead alloy and brass, <laughs> signet ring, desk, candlelight. Today, all you need to say something sweet to your beloved is a phone. You can text, email, FaceTime, IMDM, instant Snapchat, TikTok, WhatsApp, whatever. You can request and confirm a date one moment an open table, a reservation, the next? In a heartbroken society like ours, how can partners cite a lack of communication as the reasons for, for splitting up? If you're not using your phone to stay in contact with the people you claim to love, what are you using it for? All right, do you want to make mad love Right after the show. Okay, here's how. Get out your phone. Come on, get it out. Get it out. Address a text, a 21st century letter to your favorite person. Now type this message exactly. Are you got it out? Good, good. Type this. Ex- it's a stanza from an erotic poem by the late Chilean writer Pablo Neruda. It goes like this. Just type this out. I hunger for your sleek laugh, your hands the color of a savage harvest. Hunger for the pale stones of your fingernails. I want to eat your skin like a whole album. Did you get that? <laughs> okay, now send. Make sure your mom isn't... You didn't accidentally type your mom's address. Guar- good. Guaranteed action. We're all getting some tonight. How hard was that? Okay, you can follow up with emoticons, gym selfies, food pics, and other tantalizing media. The only reason people believe smartphones kill romance is because they have no sense of romance. They don't know... What's romantic, because they're too dumb for the machine they've been handed by their Sprint provider. Most, of the, most people wield a phone the same way those Don men used bone fragments at the beginning of 2001, a space odyssey, clumsily, stupidly, without imagination. Just Google how to use my smartphone creatively and then just bask in the power. Let me know what the response is to your text, uh, by the way. If the reply is negative or ignored, I will buy you a beer at this bar. Okay but I'll need to see your receipts. Okay, speaking of receipts, tax prep is easy with a smartphone. (laughs) Download a starred tax prep app, take pictures of printed receipts, upload your email receipts, import last year's file, I don't know, just, you know, you're good to go. You can Google changes to 2019 tax law, you know, and then with your phone, you can eyeball, calibrate what your return's gonna be. You can look up the history of taxation in the US, listen to Susie Orman podcast on investments, watch a Tony Robbins video on hidden investments, or blast the Beatles song Taxman, and that's just talking about the most boring <laughs> subject possible. You can read Bruce Lee's book of martial arts philosophy, The Tao of Jeet Kundo, you can listen to an 1897 cylinder recording of Vesti la Giuba from Ruggero Leoncavallo's famous opera Pagliacci. OK, you can figure out how to underwater well in your bathtub. You can gaze at a brittle papyrus fragment that contains two of the Greek love bard Sappho's tender poems written thousands of years ago, right? discovered, re- recovered, I should say, in 2014 by a scholar at University of Oxford. Alright, So if you're not using your phone to do these things, why not Amazon, Netflix, Pornhub, Tinder? CNN's breathless impeachment inquiry coverage. All that shit is digital cocaine cut with kitty litter and those mealworm Doritos that you think are food. You've turned smartphones into Pandora's box because you're opening it entirely wrong. you just remove it from your ass. Connect it to your brain. Your phone can make you safer, healthier, smarter, stronger, sexier. But not if it's being used to Uber eats a cardboard crusted ketchup sauce Domino's pizza to your door or a hooker. God damn it, what is wrong with you? You need to see yourself for what you are a cyborg not navigating our digital age in this post cyberpunk future that we call the present. You didn't get jetpacks or a journey to Mars, you got something better. Right, the complete recorded history of the human race squeezed into something roughly the size of a stick of fucking butter. <laughs> Everything humanity has dreamed of and rendered, pressed into your hand with an opposable thumb. People fret over the nightmare that soon phones will be shrunk down into microchips and implanted into our skulls, but they won't. The chips will be plugged into objects like cars, drones, and we will control these vehicles, self-driving or not, with our fingertips. Because ESP projected commands are not—they're no substitute for tactil- tactility. You're all cyborg warriors in the neon forest of a tech-blessed Las Vegas full of mechanized water shows and chorus skating search stages and ice hockey in the desert. It's time to act like it. <laughs> Your phone puts you at the vanguard of humanity and innovation. Just like the technology of writing did for the Sumerians, or like the horse-drawn chariots did for the Egyptians, or like the those weird hand cannons of the Mongol-led Yuan dynasty, you know, in the 13th century, like the American automobile of the 50s. We've been cyborgs for centuries, and the smartphone is another upgrade for humanity. In the coming decades, get ready for exoskeletons, brace yourself for neural interfaces, prepare to launch your own army of security micro UAVs or whatever, everything connected to your mobile device and eager to push you into an adventure can scarcely predict at this moment. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a little scary, but worth keeping an open mind about as everyone around you torrent streams another dumbass MCU flick. (laughs) Garbage in, garbage out. Your smartphone shouldn't be tasked with trash duties. Your smartphone is a weapon against ignorance and illusion. Your phone is an icon of peace and freedom, and yes, genuine love. Use your smartphone, don't let it use you.
0: Yeah! Right. All right. Well, that was two very compelling arguments on either side. Does anybody have a question for either or both of our debaters? I have a question
2: for the
0: young lady. For the young lady, for Dana German, come on over here, Dana. Oh, we're getting a picture. Hold on. All right.
4: Matt. you up? hate phones, yet you used a phone during your performance? <laughs> I know, it's a little switcheroo, we play on that. that. We play yeah, on that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a
0: bit.
2: Yeah, All
4: right. it was a bit.
0: It's a bit. You know bits.
2: No, what are those? Okay. Like for horses? <laughs> like, kind of like. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Any other questions? There's a guy right here. All right, you got a question? Let's hear it. Uh, I
2: got a question. <clears throat> I just wanted to ask... If it, you say that the problem we have with
0: phones is in how we're using them, and yet there's like proven relationships in how propaganda is disseminated
3: versus how, versus how human beings interact with the world in a physiological way, for example, small, like variables, as in the brightness of colors or the loudness and suddenness
2: of noise, are known to capture human attention. Does that change the way you feel if phones are not just a vehicle for
3: those who use them to improve their lives, but those on the other end who control the vectors
0: through which they exist to control the lives of those who use them? Uh All right, Jared. That's a a good fucking question.
3: (laughs) Well, certainly since the uh, advent of writing, Writing itself is a propagandistic, uh, propagandizing uh, technology. Yes. But if you uh, encounter an English department at any university, you'll see that that's, you know, it's been subverted. And what I'm asking for us to do is to subvert the phone to our own advantage. Yes, there are people in power using this technology to attempt to seduce us but i think we can uh invert subvert convert the technology pervert the technology to our own advantage
0: all right any other questions one more diane you have heard the argument that phones are the demise of humanity you've also heard the phones that, that phones are, in the most optimistic way, a tool that if we were just better and used them better would be amazing. Who wins this debate?
4: So notwithstanding my personal opinion <laughs> or the substitution of paper for the phone <laughs> lever, Whatever... Can't, d- I can't, can't have a tie, right?
0: Like it's not There's no ties. you got to pick part. one over the other. One. All right, so you're saying that phones are the demise of humanity. I, I guess
5: I have to...
0: All right, so data German, give her a hand.
5: Come on.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's it's a, it's a it's a tense time right now. So what we want to decide is, is Thanksgiving in fact a celebration of gratitude, of thankfulness? of looking at our lives, looking at the year, finding the things that we're grateful for and what we've been blessed with, or is it merely a dance of genocide proliferated by the genocide of Native Americans in this country? We took their food, we took their stuff, we took their land, we gave them casinos, and that's about it. So that is the question at hand. Who's going first? You,
2: I'm going
0: first. Is Donald Hickey. Ladies and gentlemen, Thanksgiving, celebration of gratitude, or dance of genocide. Donald Hickey is our first debater. Give him a hand. Oh, Rocket and roll
5: right, yeah. from Chicago. That's right. Yeah. back Chicago. Airline that, pilot. Nice. Leather jacket. Yeah, it's not that cold outside. What is wrong? It's not that cold out there. Listen, I just spent like a week in Detroit and Chicago. I mean, this is, Don's right. This is a summer day. Um, Here's the thing. Isn't it kind of weird that we celebrate the genocide of natives with the genocide of turkeys? (laughs) Did you also know that turkeys were actually named after turkey? A country with mm, a wee bit of history of genocide themselves, you know. I think they kind of invented it in the twentieth century, anyway. You know, sorry if there's any Turks in the room or people sensitive to twentieth-century genocides. So just, you know. Um, but it's, here's the thing: I'm going to have to flip the script a little bit on Don Hall, because in terms of the question posted. Is Thanksgiving a celebration of the genocide of Native Americans? I, I, need, a, I need a roadie to lift this microphone. Up. Um, I have a cocktail. Can we pause? We're not gonna pause, We're keep not talking. Pa- okay. It's ridiculous. You're just there tall as shit. Sorry. You know, in terms of going back to what is almost to the day 400 years ago to the first Thanksgiving we would have to assume that those pilgrims out there do y'all know where the pilgrims are from? No. Where are the pilgrims from? Just take a shot. Come on.
0: Britain. England. Australia. Australia.
5: Sure they are. In terms of those most, mostly not that persecuted Calvinist Dutch pilgrims from Leiden, the Netherlands, which even for the 17th century was a fairly fucking open-minded place, let me tell you. I mean, I don't know if they were smoking weed or not, but it was. Um, they didn't really give a fuck about the Indians. And and to the British people who were not at Plymouth, but in the London company, Virginia, in, um, the name, the name of the little town is spaceman. They all settled in Virginia. Jamestown, Jamestown thank you. Uh, they didn't give a fuck about the Indians either, and I don't mean this to be offensive, so I am kind of flipping the script in the sense that, keep in mind, the brethren of these British people, as British expanded into the new world, thought that the Maori and Aboriginal people of Australia were flora and fauna. They thought they were flowers. They didn't care. It was not like we're going to go kill these fucking people and take their shit. They didn't even give it that much thought. To be real. So, fast forward to today. Could the American Thanksgiving, you know, be celebrated with that on our minds? Could we celebrate all things American knowing that... We did it on the backs of Native Americans. That's one thing. Secondly, the event that Americans commonly call the first Thanksgiving, which happened roughly October of 1621, according to the Pilgrim Hall Museum in Plymouth Rock, in fact, (laughs) lasted for three days, had 90, Native Americans, which were of the Patuxet nation, and 53 mostly Dutch pilgrims. By 1622, however, more than half of those mostly Dutch pilgrims died, and all of the Patuxet died except for one famous one, Squanto, who was kidnapped by British settlers, taken to the Old World, taught English, Christianized, brought back, and he taught the remaining pilgrims how to plant all this shit, and then he died of the same diseases that his entire nation died of and half the remaining Calvinist pilgrims. The Thanksgiving we know of today really didn't take root, the American Thanksgiving, until after the Civil War, but the rest of the world, especially the Anglo-Saxon world, kind of had a Thanksgiving holiday long before the Americas were ever discovered. Namely, Canada. Almost a century before our first Thanksgiving, it was an official holiday in the Confederation. And if you've ever gone out with a Canadian, the whole story of Thanksgiving and the colonists and the Revolutionary War is quite a different picture than what we learn in school. in 1622, the London Company colonists of Jamestown began a bloody war with the flora and fauna, otherwise known as the Pahatown Nation, and it was the Brits who did the scumping. Did we celebrate, do we celebrate the genocide? Is it that much on our minds? You really gotta hate somebody, you gotta have some kind of build against somebody to celebrate their death. I would argue that the British colonists, for the most part, didn't really see, unfortunately, the culture and existence of Native Americans as anything more than flora and fauna because there's historic evidence to prove that their brethren in Australia and New Zealand thought exactly that. And last but not least, Thanksgiving dinner We eat a bird named after a country in the Middle East. And when was the last time any of us had some Native American food? Cheers, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. All
0: right. Celebration of genocide. Of, well, or, you know, something around there. And now the counterpoint, ladies and gentlemen. Pearson Brown.
2: Give him a hand. Hey, 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 Sport. How, how you doing? Hey, yeah, you, you playing a little Nintendo? A little, little Skyrim? Uh, nice, nice. Uh, your mom tells me that, uh, you know, you don't want to celebrate Thanksgiving this year because of all the genocide. Well, I used to be a little calming back in the day that hated America and traditions, so I know where you're coming from, but can we really call it a celebration of genocide? Not really. You know, I don't think we can call something a celebration of genocide when we never really embrace the fact that it was genocide and are still actively doing it. It's like <laughs> like sport so it's like American society pressed F in the chats but we're still camping. You know, it's 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 like it's as if, you know, we're constantly blue-shelling you, you, like the Mario karts. Yeah, yeah. Like we're constantly blue-shelling the Native Americans out of existence. And so to say that it's a celebration of their genocide says that we stopped that at some point, which you know, Keystone Pipeline, uh, all of their reservations, just their general health and welfare. I I don't think that's true, but, you know, uh, it also seems odd that we would celebrate the genocide of any society or any culture of people um, when we don't celebrate any of them. You know, we also did a genocide on black people, on, uh, you know, Chinese, and if you're real into white culture, we can even, say, the Irish, you know? Um, uh, but I, I, I think that, can I call you son? No, oh, sorry, Brandon. Um, I think we need to look at the origins. If we really look at the origins, we have to remember that Thanksgiving happened before the genocide of the Native Americans. Uh, we never, we, we did the Thanksgiving thing before we killed them all, and uh, that, that's an important fact. We also need to know that uh, no one gives a shit about the origins of uh, Thanksgiving. I don't hear anybody except for you know your super liberal aunt ever talk about the Native Americans on Thanksgiving. We eat a lot of food, we watch a lot of sports. It's nothing to do with Native Americans or anything to do with that. It's It's all about a very important tradition of American people, which is Bullshitting around the holidays. It all has to do with bullshitting certain emotions. And this one is gratitude. It's all about performing gratitude. Being thankful for people that we actually hate. You know, when you and I go down there and we have to, you know, talk to your, your shitty drunk cousin or your racist grandma, we don't actually care about them, but we're willing to pretend long enough to eat a dinner, just like the pilgrims. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're what, nine now? Oh, sorry, 15, okay. Um,
5: so you're 15,
2: and I, I think you need to understand that traditions change and morph throughout the cultures that they exist in, it's inevitable. And I I just don't think we can claim that how Thanksgiving was celebrated then has anything to do with how Thanksgiving is celebrated now. You see, is it really disrespectful to Native Americans that we still have this holiday? It definitely is, but I I don't think that we can say it's a celebration because the American government doesn't even register Native Americans as people 90% of the time. And you know what? I think on this holiday, I'm thankful for you and your mom. Son. (laughs) So let's go downstairs, eat some bad pie, and pretend like we actually give a shit about those people. Yeah. Yeah!
0: We have heard variations of both particular arguments. Diane, think about it for a second. Do we have any questions for either or both of our debaters? No questions. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Diane. They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. (laughs) Diane does, because she's the judge. Diane, you have... A variation on the dance of genocide, you have a variation on celebration of gratitude.
5: I think. Which
0: of these two arguments are you most moved by?
4: Well, I have to say, notwithstanding equal talent represented, so I have to say that, and and I know we can't have a tie, I I have
5: to go with number
0: one. What? Donald Hickey, give him a hand! All
5: All 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 right!
0: Final debate, Diane. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Um, how many baby boomers do we have here? Any? Any baby boomers? Anyone that would admit it?
6: Thank God.
0: Okay, because I know I'm I'm a Gen X. I'm like I'm like right on the cusp. Gen X is like 65 when you're born. I was born 66, so I'm totally Gen X. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it, it's an interesting thing that for a couple of years. We watched Baby Boomers and Gen X write articles about millennials as being lazy and entitled. Now the interesting thing is that I feel bad for the Generation Z, all these fucking labels, because millennials are now middle-aged. Millennials are not kids anymore. They're middle-aged people, okay? So it's Gen Z. But finally, there has been a pushback and the pushback is in the okay boomer sort of uh, condescension, okay? That's kind of what's going on. And the argument is that the baby boomers have either destroyed any opportunity that the Gen Z has, or, and that's one argument, it's a definitely a very pervasive argument, or that the baby boomers, and I'm mostly baby boomers are saying this, so it makes sense, um, that they actually were the, uh, the, the, the bringers of opportunity for everybody else that followed. So the, that is the question. Baby boomers, destroyers of worlds, or nurturers of opportunity? <laughs> Our first debater, Jessica Pena. Give her a hand.
4: over. <laughs> <laughs> So here at Bug House, we talk about some pretty serious stuff. We talk about threatening things like gun control and identity politics. We talk about destiny versus free will and sex and chocolate, just some of the subjects we've talked about before. But never have we talked about a modern threat that lurks around all corners, just waiting to tell you just how lazy and entitled you are. (laughs) They control the jobs. They control the money, and they control the government. Yes, today we are facing our biggest threat to the world yet, the baby boomers. So, what is a boomer? Why are they dangerous? And what do I do when I'm approached by one? First, we don't panic. You don't look directly into their eyes, yet you're not allowed to not look at their eyes. So, either way, pretty much you just... Put your head down. (laughs) In no uncertain circumstance should you call them entitled. And you should never ever engage them in discourse. And if by mistake you do, quickly end the conversation as quick as you can by saying, okay, boomer. Let's all practice, ready? Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. All right, sounds like, they love that, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> they do, so I'm, I'm gonna back up just a little bit because we need to understand, we, like we need to get to know um, why they're the biggest threat and how this came to be. So in 1945, I'm going kind of way back, but uh, Germany and Japan, they surrender to the Allies. World War II ends, Europe is in ashes. The American soldiers come home to parades and celebrations and to lots and lots of sex. So much sex. They don't stop having sex till like 1960. And I'm pretty sure that's what brought on the women's lib moment, because they're just like, please, leave, leave it alone. So. <laughs> <laughs> they're called victory babies at first. Now we know them as the boomers. So they're growing up post-World War II. And we're the only industrialized nation left unraged by the war. And to rebuild Europe, America helped supply the goods for years without any kind of competition, and this created this economic (laughs) boom that we haven't really seen since. And so there was a need for jobs, and it paid well, and you can go, and you could retire. It created the American middle class. And this middle class is financially secure, and it allowed the single best asset, and that was the ability to buy property. And yeah, I know now it sounds crazy that an average income could buy a house. It's, it's nuts nowadays that you can't do that. So the boomers lived in this wonderful economy with great paying jobs and affordable education. In 1950, the average income was about 3,300. The average home cost was about seven grand. Average car, about 1,500. And tuition was about 600 bucks. Nowadays, your average income about 4800 average home cost 227 thousand average car 30,000 not mine, but I guess that's what the average is. and your tuition 60 grand plus. So and that's not even including books, food, housing, and all the other fees. and most of your students nowadays are not just kids coming in as 18, but you're older non-traditional students who also have to raise a family while trying to do this. So not only are they overprivileged, but they have some kind of genetic mutation that makes it impossible for them to understand that, that they are overprivileged. There's some kind of mental block for them to know that the world has changed and it's not the same world that they grew up in. Because you try to tell them that and it's just just all day, just, just, which insane. So their parents created that economy that they enjoyed and they can't come to terms with that the world has changed and that they can't leave it better than the way that they inherited it. They got the good jobs and had no loans so the, and now the only reason that millennials can't afford their tuition is because they're lazy and they eat Tide Pods, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing at all to do with the fact that there's a wage stagnation for the past four decades or that the cost of livings have increased and it's definitely not because of all the trophies that we got growing up or all the games that we play and that we're always on the Twitters. <laughs> and to be clear, I'm not talking about all boomers, okay? I'm just talking about the majority of white, Christian, heteronormative ones that uh, the system is, is currently benefiting and has been benefiting. It's the ones who are refuse, refusing to move out of the houses that they bought up. So the millennials now and the Gen, Gen Zers are continually having to pay rent Um, at increasing rates, or move back home to live with their millennial parents. No fucking thank you. (laughs) And so, also, the, the big one here then is climate change, of course. And it's a great refusal of climate change. And it's the, let's ignore the problem until we're dead proposal, Uh that they don't acknowledge the changing environment and any of their leadership positions in government or industry, which could help stop or curb climate change, but instead they're apathetic because they'll be dead before the worst of it hits. And left with their own devices, the boomer will bleed the economy dry, destroy their children's and grandchildren's hope for financial security, and completely deny What the 16-year-old activist Greta Thunberg, her plea to uh, panic like the house is on fire because it is. And instead, they'll continue to call millennials and Gen Zers socialist and spoiled brats who want everything given to them for free. So how do you defeat the boomer? You can't. You live, because they live in an echo chamber called Facebook where other boomers encourage the fact-free environment where kids are to blame because only if they worked harder or saved enough money out of their paychecks like boomers did way back when. And don't try to even mention inflation, medical and housing and education costs. The boomer is likely likely to become hostile and red-faced. And at this point, this is either where you give up, wait until they die, or just say, okay, boomer. Thank you.
0: Sister Pena lets us know that from her opinion, the Boomers are the destroyers of worlds, and now, and this was a challenge. And we'll see how he does. A challenge for him, because I follow as a Gen Xer. I follow Charles Pierre on Facebook, and so I know that Gen Xer, whatever whatever that whatever that means. You know, uh, my favorite Gen X, like it's like, Darth Vader's a boomer. Ah, boomer, Luke Skywalker is a millennial, boomers a lifestyle. Han Solo is a Gen Xer. Fuck, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, to argue that baby boomers are the new nu- nurturers of opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, his first time on the Bug House stage, give him a big hand, yeah. Charles Pierre, give him a hand.
6: Okay, how is everybody doing? Yeah. Um, I literally thought I was gonna be defending the millennials, so I'm doing this on the fly. This should be very easy. <laughs> um, you know, baby boomers, you have done some of the greatest accomplishments on earth. Jeffrey Epstein got away with it. Honestly, he got away with it. I mean, he kills himself, he's probably flying on his plane somewhere, laughing all the way to the bank. Bill Clinton, one of the greatest, one of the greatest baby boomers we've ever seen. I mean, he got into office, okay? He got into office, you know, lots of sexual accusations, but listen, a lot of these, a lot of the millennials, the incels and virgins, so they're just mad about that, I get that, okay? I mean, Monica Lewinsky, such a delicious treat, okay? The millennials, did don't understand, okay? Everybody loves cankles, anyways. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. But anyways, look, we've had three, Baby boomer presidents. I mean, Barack Obama, he's technically a late boomer. We're gonna put him in the boomer category. He's technically a late boomer. I mean, look at Barack Obama's charisma. Yeah, he said hope and change. He said it, but you know, he was still great, right? He had great charisma, he was a baby boomer. George W committed war crimes, got away with it. Amazing, I mean, You would think the baby boomers are just the most magical people on earth, the way they commit crime. It's just amazing, okay? These guys, they can do anything they want when they put their mind to it. You know, you look at the millennials, they're screeching about, you know, I can't get a job, or they're crying about Twitch. Or, you know, look, Steve Jobs, baby boomer. You're on your uh, your iPhones, right? Give a round of applause, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs. I mean, a genius died of cancer, Recipe: Steve Jobs. He thought holistic medicine would work. Okay, maybe not the brightest guy, but okay, fair enough. But, (laughs) I mean, he's great. Uh, Oh, George W., I mean George W., baby boomer. You know, I want you to think about this for a second. This man, I mean, millennials are some of the most overeducated people on the planet, but this man was able to get elected because he wanted to have a beer with him. Finesse, that's just a finesse. I mean, you can almost call George W. Bush an indigo child, yet he made it to the presidency. I mean, if you don't call that amazing, I don't know what is. And the last one, the most amazing of one, the big daddy of them all, Donald Trump. See, while you guys are eating Tide Pods, all the mornings, are screeching eating Tide Pods. You know what I'm saying? His brain is clogged with Big Mac sauce, you know, He's out there ranting and raving, but he still made it to the presidency. Again, it's like a, it's a magical trick. These guys are the greatest. They get to do anything they want, get to do whatever they want. I mean, I guess you could ignore the sex crimes and stuff, but okay, I get it, okay? But they always, make it to, they always make it to animals of power. And you know, I think millennials just have to get over it. You know, eat your avocado toast, You know, uh, <laughs> put, play Twitch, you know, what do you millennials play nowadays? Call of Duty, Friendster, Tinder, whatever, what you guys. You're, what we actually used to do in the baby boom era, you know, you would go outside and meet somebody, you know? You'd get the MySpace angles or the filters, I you'd be like, hey. you know, when you actually met the person, they, they look like custard and, you know, they're melting, but, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, I think people are just jealous of baby boomers because they can literally do whatever they want when they put their mind to it. I mean, the only thing, only kind of criticism I would say about the baby boomers is that, you know, you know, they didn't get away with more stuff. They should got away with more stuff. I mean, they're the greatest generation. <laughs> Literally the greatest generation, just by being born, I'm great. I mean, listen, these guys are just. I uh, just think, like, imagine like that guy. You know, he's just so stupid. He's just so ignorant. But you know, just like he's like an idiot savant, but he just always trips and fails up. Who else can do that? Gen X can't do it. Millennials can't do it. And Gen Z, less said about them the better. Okay. Very nice. Very less said about Gen Z the better. But at the end of the day, look, no amount of no amount of you know political infighting, no amount of you know okay boomers, you know no amount of you know just generational hate is going to take away from the greatest generation on earth. You know what I'm saying? They created Big Macs. You're know saying they gave us the sitcom Friends. Okay, that's a little stretch, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but they gave us sitcom Friends, you know, but look, they hold power for a reason. They are the greatest generation on earth. Yeah, you know, when you guys, when, you also know, look. Oh, by the way, we're very generous, by the way. One other thing, about, before I get off the mic, one other thing. Medicare Part D, completely unfunded. Prescription drug plan, give away, look, we're generous to each other. He gave away each other the Medicaid Part D expansion plan. Completely unfunded by George W. Great, It's just completely unfunded. Not paid for it, but you guys are whining about college tuition, shut up. Go go, go lobby some, go lobby like we all do, okay? We need to lobby Washington, okay? We got the money, get your money up, okay? I get it, we got fat sacks in the pocket. You guys are struggling, it's okay, I get it, okay? Okay, but the only thing I would say is, before I get off the mic, you know, uh, be more like us. Be hardworking, you know. Get 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 government grants and you know all that stuff and get handouts, whatever. But one thing, just you know, don't follow in our footsteps. I would say, you know, all the sex crimes and stuff. You know, I'm so saying just let's put that to the side, okay? We might like we talk about it f- because we are the greatest generation after all.
0: There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Woo. Stand here. Stand. Up, stand up, and Jessica. Okay. Um. Any questions? Yeah. Yes, David in German.
1: So, Mr. Charles, you mentioned a lot of uh, male boomers. Any, any lady boomers that stand out?
6: Oh, one. Oh, perfect one. One of the executives at AARP. She, said, she says, OK, millennials, but we have all the money. She looks like a literal Batman villain. Very nice. Just look her up. Her name is like Karen Blath or something. She's a, something she, like that. Yeah. yeah. And she says, she says, we have all the money. Look her up, she looks like a little Batman villain. Like, like imagine, <laughs> imagine if the penguin had a female equivalent. Very nice. Great. There you go. Okay. All right, all right, any other questions? Uh, oh, in oh. Hillary, in, in, I'm sorry, in Hillary. Uh, in Hillary, Hillary. okay, you know?
0: of course, of course. Any other questions? To,
5: just real quick to answer Dana's question, I do have a question, but uh, almost every CEO of every defense company is okay. a main boomer female.
0: You know. So did you just, okay, so it's not a question just in. No, no,
5: but I do have a question. Okay, okay. bring so your question. to, uh, to Jessica do you think the influence of such like horrible music is like mike mcdonald the doobie brothers <laughs> the Dead, Collins. do you think it had any effect on the baby boomer generation that turned them the way that they are i don't know if i don't
4: Especially know Phil if Collins. it affected them in the right way <laughs> yeah, <I don't laughs> because know. they also had you know punk rock they had you know, even, like, the hippie... Rock rock. Well, I mean, like, oh, the, yeah. the late portion, because there's, there's two separate sections yeah. of the baby boomers, so the late baby boomers did. A couple of them. Yeah, a couple, yeah. Three. And so, I mean, there's, there's some uh, music, I guess, influence, but I, I, I feel kind of upset about it because they talk about love and freedom and all of this with the, the hippies and everything, and then all of that turned wry in the 80s when money got involved. Oh, yeah. So I think they sold out.
0: Okay, and I actually, I actually have a question for both of you, since you both kind of stayed on the same side. It's okay. Um, my question for you is: uh, here's the here's the premise. Generation Z is all about revolution, changing things for the better, mm-hmm. fighting against the dogmatic, uh, conservative thing. They love Bernie Sanders. Okay. The baby boomers protested in massives, uh, massive numbers against the Vietnam War. They fought for free love, civil rights, mm-hmm. and they were all supportive of the Bernie Sanders of their day, George McGovern. So my question is, will Generation Z in 50 years be the baby boomers of their generation? Take either one
6: or both you go first you
4: so 50 years i mean think about it with the environment that we're in right now, are we gonna be in a circumstance or situation to where we're really even gonna be able to revolt against something? Or are we all gonna be fucking trying to figure out what the fuck we're doing because our house is burning and it's starting right now? 50 years is a long fucking time. And I just don't think that that's something that we can even think that far ahead because we've gotta figure out how to fix what the fuck has happened up to this point for the future.
6: Oh, okay. he's ready to go. Uh, in 50 years, um, I imagine in 50 years, uh, climate change has already happened. Peter Thiel and all the other baby boomers are going to be, you know, sucking the blood out of all the Gen Zers and you know keeping themselves alive <laughs> through cryogenics and uh, you know Epstein and all those guys still on this island partying while the Earth is burning. Um. Yeah, probably watching reruns of Friends, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know but uh, oh, funny, funny, funny you said that because uh, Jeffrey Epstein, for some reason, had Chris Tucker on his plane. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> honestly, um, on a serious note, uh, I would say mm, it, it really depends because I, I don't think number one. Homogeneous media was definitely way more prevalent back in the day. And it's funny, because you talked to Don, talked about how the baby boomers protested Vietnam and all that stuff. But it's funny how they went to go perpetrate all the rest of the wars, like Iraq war, the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, uh, the drone program and all this stuff. Intervention seems to be the, seems to be the kind of de facto way of the day. You know, um, I don't, I kind of see Gen Z, I think I think it's a coin flip because you know right now, in this day and age, like no, every, you, you meet so many people like fifty percent of like over fifty percent of the population doesn't vote. I think because they feel like it doesn't, it doesn't have any material benefit. You know, Bernie Sanders is the only one talking about material benefits. Uh, I think Elizabeth Warren is good too, but she doesn't go far enough. Um, you know, she seems to be waffling, but, but Gen Bernie Z does not
3: support Bernie
6: Sanders. No, wait, wait, and you, wait. Wait wait. You say Gen Z doesn't support Gen Zs? They do They
2: support Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. They definitely do not
6: support Bernie Sanders. Wait wait. See, but then I mean, wait, wait 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 wait. Hold on hold on hold on. I, Welcome to Thanksgiving.
0: Time? Yay! Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving.
6: <laughs> By that, because uh, AOC has already endorsed Bernie Sanders. AOC has already endorsed Bernie Sanders. So yeah, if, they don't
0: support Bernie Sanders. They support her.
6: Right, but you're know, t- saying due to her influence and everything. On, on if you even look on Twitter. You know, a lot of Zers. Do follow her, and, and I, I believe they're gonna, I believe they're gonna vote. You know.
5: They're fairly old oh. enough.
6: to vote. Oh wait, that, that's true, that's true too. Now, you wants to Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, yeah.
5: your question is 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 a timeline uh, improbability. Okay. What you really meant to ask is, oh, in did, 20 or 30 years from now, are millennials going to ask the like, like the fucking Matt DeMarco bearded, hair bun wearing millennials, fucking <laughs> to act like their parents? In 20 or 30 years, the Gen Zers would be the kids of you and I, right? My Fair enough. five years
6: old. I don't have kids. I, I, I just yeah. don't want kids. Yeah. Just to wrap it up, I just think two things. One, it's going to be completely different because media is not homogenized. You don't have, you know, your brain isn't knocking on MSNBC anymore because you have to. And then the second thing is, I just think there's so much diversity of opinion and people seeing what's going on in the world, you know, and, and it's international now. It's one thing it's one thing if in America, you, you know, you have some cranks or dingbats, you know, protesting, whatever, but it's around the world now. And that's very different and we're more connected than ever before.
0: Very good. I will just point out, in, in terms of my question, uh, Vietnam was the largest international protest in the world. So it was international against Vietnam. Um, But what I will say is it's interesting, and this is the only thing I'll say about both arguments, which are the same argument, but that's okay, is that it's an interesting thing and I'm interested to find out is that ultimately both of you sort of feel like Gen Z and millennials will fail just as much as the baby boomers failed. You see it as a sellout, I see maybe see it as a failure. They got civil rights passed, but it didn't really go far enough. They got Vietnam shut down, but they proliferated other wars. I am curious to see if Gen Z can avoid the lure of capitalism. We'll see. With that in mind, Diane, you've heard a lot of Thanksgiving talk with our Baby Boomer conversation. So which com- which argument was the most compelling to you?
4: So notwithstanding the democracy of talent as we've discussed before,
0: then all of our we have to make one decision. That's it. One has to win. Number two. Number 2, Charles Pierre wins. Give him a hand. All right, give come on, give him a hand. the bunkhouse give the bunkhouse a big hand Brandon your bartender you can thank him with applause but he prefers a tip because it pays his electric bill that's how that works and we will be back here December 23rd please tell people about it thank you very much have a great night